Grace covers everything. There's nothing that is outside of grace's reach. There's nothing that exists outside of the idea of grace. And from the beginning all through the end, and the whole story we read in the Bible, it is filled with the grace of God. And this morning I'm excited to take us through a journey in the Word, but through a journey through the ages of history, and just see how the grace of God has come in its fullness. We are busy with our amazing grace series for the past few weeks, and during our prayer and fast week, we've just been invested in this idea of what grace is. And I don't know about you, but I have been deepened in my understanding of grace, deepened in my understanding of the heart of the Father towards all of us. Because of a grace, we have a new disposition of infinite favor directed our way. I'm going to say this again. Because of grace, we have a new disposition, a new placement in life filled with grace and favor directed our way. Constantly at all times directed towards us is the grace of God ready to impact our lives. The beginning of this year, rather should I say, the end of last year on the 31st, um, while we were in Northern Ireland, we were on the coast for a couple of days and early mornings in Ireland uh, starts at 8 o'clock, doesn't start at 5 o'clock like here because the sun only really comes up at 9 and it's only really lo- uh, uh, light by 10. So I was on the beach early morning, but I just needed to justify that it wasn't 5. It was 8 o'clock um, when everyone was still sleeping. And we were in a little small Irish town called Ballycastle and I went for a walk on the beach and it was one of those moments where it felt like I was walking with God. The moments of the awareness of His presence and Him speaking to my heart so clearly it's just one of those things that, you know when you have those things, it's so precious. And we were having conversation about a whole lot of things and just reading my heart for the new year and, and saying goodbye for, for the old and thanking God for the old. And I eventually walked from the beach over to the harbor side and I was sitting at the harbor just looking at the little town waking up on the 31st, the last day of 2019, the last day of the decade, just speaking to God about it. And I felt the Lord just clearly say to me, Pierre, look, look over the life that you see. And these words came to my heart, just saying, what has got you here is what will get you there. And I wanted to say this to us, grace is what got us here, and grace is what will get us there. And I just recounted my life and thinking about everything he's done to me, and I'm like, God, it is all by grace. It's not my olegheit or how cool I am or clever or my hard work. And yes, I partner with you, but I'm partnering with grace. Grace is extended. And from this disposition, I get to do what I do, but it's because of grace that I'm sitting here. And it is only by grace that I will get to everything that he has for me into the future. And I wanted to just start there this morning that grace is the thing that got you here. And grace is the only thing that'll get you there in what God has still for you through life. It runs through all of life. And this morning, I want you to open up your, your Bible to the, the letter to Titus. We've been in there for the past couple of weeks, but we're going to only be looking at three verses today, and we're going to be discovering again what this disposition of grace is all about. I want to ask you a question. Is what would your life look like if you fully and truly saw everything through the lens of grace? I love what Matthew shared last week is that we call things happening to us good luck or good fortune or a a great moment or a moment of breakthrough, but he said, can we change our language and see everything as the extension of God's grace? That it's by grace that 
we get to finally land that job that we've been trusting God for. It's by grace that we get through the long month of January, and it's by grace alone that we have found a spiritual family where we could be part of his body. But I want to ask you, what would your life look like if you saw everything through the lens of grace? Because I believe this morning there's going to be a shift of focus for many of us. So that's our goal this morning, is to shift focus. Whatever you are focused on at the beginning of this year, whatever you are focused on today, I trust that there will be a shift and that we will put on lenses of focus through the eyes of grace and what Jesus has done for us. So let's read together out of Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the Lord, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me read it again with a little bit of different emphasis on different places. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to see that grace has appeared, and with it, it has brought salvation, and with it, it is training and equipping and empowering us to live the life that God so desires for us to live, and within that, He enables us in this present age to live like this, and finally, we have a disposition of hope because we are all looking forward to the moment where the fullness of the promise will be in Jesus returning to this earth, and that's what grace is all about. So this morning, Lord, I pray as we we understand this text a little bit better, that your Holy Spirit will preach to all of our hearts. I avail myself to be used by you in whatever way you want me to. Lord, and may today be your words speaking to every one of us. May each one of us, Lord, just feel how our spirit man and spirit woman is, is sensing what it is that you want to say to us. And may we leave here with a new understanding of your grace towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning I'm going to title my message, Flip the Page. Flip the Page. Turn around the page, turn around the leaf, a new day, a new start, whatever you want to call it, I call it Flip the Page. And I want to tell you a story. We had a moment um, on our trip recently where we nearly missed our flight from London to Belfast because of the one line that goes to Heathrow on the trains that just decided the very first train that broke down is the one that we're on, and then consequently everything else. So we were stuck halfway between where we started and Heathrow, and on a platform with thousands of people exiting the platform, having to find cabs to Heathrow, because they're all on their way to Heathrow, and we just like, God's grace, please cover us, and by the grace of God, we got into the plane, but then something far greater that just blew my mind happened. It was one of those catastrophic moments, mid-air on a plane, where you just hold your breath and like... What is happening? What happened is Helena picked up a business magazine to read. <laughs> In my whole life of being married to her for nearly 16 years, she's never picked up a business magazine. She was about to go buy the People magazine, 
to see all the UK gossip on the way from London to Belfast, but luckily the train was delayed, so there was no time to go and buy one of those, but she wanted some things to read, so she, pissed, she picked up the Business Life magazine and started reading it. And I'm like, wow, Lord, this is interesting. What is happening? Are we going to land safely in Belfast? Because up until this point, it's been quite turbulent, and now she picks up one of these. Is it the end of the world as we know it? I didn't know what's happening, but... Funny enough, as she started reading through some of these pages, and eventually she started telling me about some of the very interesting things about the past decade and the decade to come. And I'm like, okay, now I'm interested as well. So I pick up, and with speed reading, I catch up, and we start reading these things together. And as I turned these pages of this magazine, I was, just, I was looking for the hope, guys. I'm like, okay, here's the world's view on, on the future. A couple of things that they are saying is that, you know what, in the future, this next decade, we're going to see human plus. So that's humans with augmented reality stuck to us, whether it's through glasses or through our phones or through walking past buildings that's going to read our behavior and put up advertisements down the line because it wants to get our attention. Humans are going to go to this augmented state, and Mr. Elon Musk is right in front there trying to lead us to this augmented state, but where our humanity becomes greater and better. I'm like, okay, great, that's good. Let's go on. Maybe there's something good in this thing. And I turned the page, and then I read this. Everything will be different in the future because everyone is nicer to each other. I'm like, okay, well, that's a great prediction. But then it says, okay, this isn't a trend or a prediction. It is just wishful thinking. I'm like, okay, well, great. So the next decade is going to be just the same as all the previous ones. Humans are going to dislike one another. And then he talks about planting a trillion trees that will turn around and cancel the last decades of carbon dioxide emissions. I'm like, okay, so for the next 10 years, all of us got to find a couple of trees, and that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be tree planters. That's a very hopeful future. And then I flipped the page with some more anticipation in my heart that I might just find something hopeful for the next decade. And next up, it's all about the full houses that people are going to live in. By 2030, parents hold your breath. By 2030, Almost 40% of all under 40s will be living back home with their parents. I'm like, that's not hopeful at all. <laughs> what, where's the plan? The plan is to raise good kids ready for world and, and, and create a safe place for them. But if they are 35 and they have eventually moved out, and by the age of 40, like, we're coming right back home, I don't see how this is hopeful. And I flip the page once more. I'm like, Lord, there's got to be some hope in the world. And then they speak about what shall we eat. I'm like, oh, here we go. And it just says, in the coming decade, our food is likely to change. Okay? And so is the way that we produce it. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. We're going to eat differently. I don't know if that's hopeful. I kind of like the food I eat at the moment. Let's flip the page and see if we could find something else. And it talks about these walls that could talk where our behavior patterns will be censored through cameras and then the walls will change as we walk through the cities to get our attention as individuals in a bigger world. I'm like, that's not very hopeful either. We're going to be completely watched all the time, invasion of privacy. It just goes right beyond the edge. And then we get to the big no, no, let's not talk about this, but climate change. And then it says, it would have been preferable, preferable if our achievements had not been the detriment of the environment. So all along, humans are achieving stuff, but then at the same time, we're breaking up that which we already have. 
Not a very hopeful idea. Flip the page. Please, Lord, let there be something hopeful in this magazine. Careers will become more chaotic with company failures, periods of unemployment, and new developments. And then right at the bottom here, 300,000 will be the number of extra higher education places predicted to be needed in England by 2030 to meet the demand. And then the whole idea that higher education is becoming less and less important in the world. So how are they going to fill those gaps? 20 million will be the number of robots in the world by 2030. And then this really impacted me as a South African. One of the jobs forecast to disappear by 2030 and others include truck drivers, telemarketers, librarians, traffic wardens, and shepherds will be cashiers, people to check us your shopping for the day. And as, as I went through this magazine, there was just no hope. And my God, you've got to flip the page in our hearts on what we are looking towards in this ne next decade. Because clearly, the media and the world out there is not giving us a whole lot of hope. The world is basically saying that things are bad, we are making some progress, and more progress is to be made, and there will be some breakthrough, but things are bad. That was the essence of the whole business magazine. And in the end, I thought it would have been better for Eliana to just buy a People magazine and read the stories of people's lives, because this really didn't mean much to us. But this idea in Titus that we see is that grace has appeared. Let's read that again. The grace of God has appeared. The ancient of days has taken his seat on the throne and he is ruling. And from the beginning to the end, he had a grace disposition in his mind and in his heart. And we see that fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And all the world is telling us is no, it doesn't exist. It's not there. And we have to fight. And Jesus is saying, guys, it's around. Just stop and change your focus. What are you focused on? In this new year, what are you focused on for the future? Because if we live according to the media's mantra, then we'll all be getting on planes, leaving our nation soon, where God is rising up a church in this nation to see a revival like never before for his kingdom's sake. Do you believe it this morning? Amen. But we need a grace disposition. We need to see through the lens that Christ has for us. The word appeared is an interesting word. It means something that is Suddenly in sight. It comes into sight with a sudden noticeability. So it wasn't there, but all of a sudden it, it just appears. I had an appearing moment. Also on our trip, we, we were in one of the coastal towns over Christmas. And I went for a run because I wanted to just make sure that I, I run off all the soda bread that we're eating in, in Ireland, which is amazing, by the way, with Irish butter, just thick layers of it and cheese and marmite. That was the staple. That was manna every morning. And um, so I had to go for a run, and we were in this little quaint, wee little town. I like that word, a wee town in the northern coast of Ireland. And I was going for a run, and it was green and lush and wet, and it was up and down. And I climbed some hills to get to some places to see some things. And, but by the last 300 meters of my run, I just had one thing in mind. I'm like, okay, this is beautiful. I just want to get home. I just want to finish the 6K run now, 300 meters to go. So I'm fixated on where I wanted to get. My eyes were set on the goal, the finish line. That's where I wanted to be. And I was running strong that last few hundred meters. I'm almost there. And the next moment, suddenly something appeared on the left side of my eyes. Now, everything in me wanted to just run to the finish line. But because this has now appeared, 
I had to take my focus of where I wanted to be and put it on what has appeared. And would you believe on my left-hand side was a green pasture and a whole flock of sheep started running towards me. So first of all, you're kind of intimidated because it's not the same in South Africa. When you go to sheep, they run away, but these sheep just, they just frolic on their way towards me. And I, I went to the fence and then the boss sheep, and you can clearly see he's the ram because he's got the big whirrings and everything. He, he came right to the fence and he popped his head through the fence and he looked at me waiting for a pat. So I leaned in and I patted the little sheep on his head and then he put his head back and all stood there looking at me, smiling. And for a moment, I thought maybe this was the provision of God that has appeared because I'm seeing in my mind some choppies on the fire. <laughs> and then I realized, I realized that you can't eat Irish sheep. It's just, it would be impossible because it's the cutest thing and they run towards you for a cuddle. It's not the bleakseel scarpies from the karoo, but on the grond staan that just looks at you. These things are running towards you. So I'm like, I'm not going to eat any lamb while in Ireland. I, I, when, when I get back home, I'll have some karoo lamb. Because then the, the dry, dusty patch out there in some in the Korean would definitely not run to you when you come closer. It was quite an encounter for me. And I went down to the house and I said, Hilian Alika, you've got to come and bring out Alika. And the sheep were back up in the pasture. And when Alika came, these things frolicked all the way down. And she had a moment to cuddle these sheep. But something happened in my heart there. I'm like, I missed, nearly missed out on a wonderful opportunity because I was so fixated on where I wanted to get that I did not notice or maybe could have missed noticing that which have already appeared. So many times we are so fixed on where we want to be, on what we want to achieve, on what we want to see, on where we are heading, that we miss that which has already appeared, and it's the grace of Jesus. And Jesus is standing on the sideline, and we're running this race of life, and, and he's wanting to jump into our lives and get us through those difficult moments, get us through those challenging things, and we're just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run strong. I'm going to make it to the end. And we don't allow the grace of God that has already appeared to jump into our lives. So let's look at why the grace of God has appeared, and there are three things this morning. First of all, the grace of God appeared for salvation. God flipped the page on the world when it was void and without form, and he created. And only within a few moments after creation, the enemy and the kingdom of darkness stepped into God's creation and the new page of creation and the beauty that God has made and said, let's come and upset this and, and gave man a thought that is against God and said, you know what, you, you can't be like God. Will you just eat from the fruit? And in a moment, the page was flipped again to a bad story where man submitted to the thoughts of the enemy and sin and death entered this world. But you know what I love about God and this disposition of grace? It existed in him from the beginning. Because listen to this. Genesis 3 verse 21, right after this moment where Adam and Eve have sinned and God has stepped into the situation and he has said what he needed to say in a just manner about what they've done. This happens. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. He flipped the page back to the disposition of grace. Therein is a prophetic image of the gospel. Garments of skin. 
You see, what they did is they, they had, they had we, we woven together some leaves to put around their bodies and clothe their nakedness, but then steps into the picture, Father God, and he says, I'm going to flip the page right back, guys. I'm going to make you clothes of skin, and that skin represents a new garment, and it represents the blood shed that needed to be shed to get the skin of the animal, which represents the blood that will be shed one day, and I'm clothing you already in a new disposition of grace, and I'm setting you up for future hope in me in that moment. Isn't that beautiful? That right at the beginning, when the enemy stepped in and said, I'm flipping the page on what God has made and which he called good, God says, no, I'm going to step right in and flip the page back to what I see as good. And it gives us an image of the gospel right in the beginning. See, grace appeared for salvation. It steps into our lives, it steps into our world, and it sets us on a new course, and he clothes us with garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness. He clothes us with garments that are washed white because of his garment that is red. And right in the beginning, we see God just saying, I flip the page, and then the story continues throughout the old covenant of God reaching out to man and man saying, no, God, we're not interested until Jesus stepped in in the New Testament and he completely flipped the page on man's destiny and says, because I have arrived, the kingdom of God is now here. And when he died on that cross, the page was fully flipped and we are in that final chapter of waiting and hope for the final flipping of the page where Jesus is gonna be returned. So where is your focus at when it comes to salvation? Maybe you're still living in the old covenant understanding of it's out of your effort and strength and your battle with impurity and holiness that you'll get there where clearly from the beginning the heart of the Father is to clothe us in new garments set up for a graceful future. I was thinking about the man next to Jesus on the cross that cried out to Jesus in a moment. What are the chances that that sinner were hanging on the cross with Jesus on that specific day? It's almost as if grace appeared on the cross next to the sinner. And he just said, Jesus, remember me in paradise. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's grace appearing in salvation. Now, I don't know where you are at on the salvation scale. But it's the appearance of Christ that moves us into a disposition of being saved. It's nothing we do, it's not by our own efforts. It's only by him and from the beginning of time he reveals a heart that is constantly bringing grace towards us. Secondly, grace appeared for sanctification. Well, appeared that's such a big theological word, it's very simple. Not only did he save us, but then he actually gives us the training, equipping, empowering and sustaining power to live godly lives. So if you are battling today with something that you know is ungodly and not righteous and not good, and you've been battling for it for years, maybe you just got to put a grace lens on today and say, Jesus, can you give me the power to actually abstain and say no to this thing that's in my life? Because he says clearly, and this is the NASB translation, for the grace of God has appeared instructing us to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. We want to live sensibly. Come on, we all want to do. We want to live godly. We want to live righteously. How do we do it? It's by grace, guys. It's by the grace of God. It's not by your own effort. It's not by, it's a new yard and echt a new blijkje omslaan. You see, we try and flip the pages of our own story. 
We try and do it out of our own strength. We try and run this race, and the previous chapter was really bad, but now, guys, I'm going to show you. I'm going to, I'm going to rest things up, and this next chapter I'm, I'm going to write, it's going to be the best ever because I am self-actualizing myself to a greater state of being the best self I've ever been, and still Jesus is on the side, and we're running this race with endurance without Christ, and he's saying, guys, my grace is here to get you to the other side. My grace is here to help you see, see you through this sin. My grace is here to help see you through this brokenness. You know what, I wanna train you. I wanna be that voice that speaks to you every day that gets you to the other side. Will you stop trying to be your own hero and will you accept that I am the hero? That's what happens when we understand that grace appears for sanctification. The story is all about him and when our lives are with Christ in God, he empowers us to live sensibly, righteously and godly. I don't know if you have made new resolutions and there's nothing wrong with them. But did you do it through a grace lens or through a I can do this lens? Because clearly, God's heart is so for us that he wants to help us be the best selves we can be in him. Then it's not us and our worship of self that got us to the other side but it's all glory back to Christ, who is on our side, on the left-hand side, wanting to just step into our world and say, let me help you. Let me train you, equip you, and empower you to be sanctified and live the life that I have called you to live. It's not by our own efforts. And for thousands of years, we flip the pages in our own life. The world has flipped the pages of we can do it better, we can do it differently. But 2,000 years ago, Christ has finally flipped the page on grace, and we just gotta step into that story. So in which story are you living? The one that you try to write by yourself, maybe with a handful of people around you, or are you inside the story that Jesus has brought where he says, my son and daughter, stop trying, desist, fall back, become weak so that I can be strong on your behalf. That's the heart of the Father towards us with grace. And then lastly, and this is really where I wanna bring it home to us this morning, is grace appeared for the present age. Say the present age. The present age means the now, the immediate, the at the hand time. So simply meaning this, that grace has appeared for today, guys. And I know there's a rhetoric that we're living in the worst times ever. And maybe so because the history of humankind is compounded in a radical sense. All the things that humans have done in all the world is almost coming to, to like a togetherness and there's all the pain of past and things. But I've been doing some reading and research and I'm, I'm trying to figure out when was the best time to live according to history and when was the worst. But it doesn't really matter because the promise is that grace appeared for the present age. That there's enough grace for the age to be living in in 2020 as is there was enough grace for the Israelites to live in exile under Babylonian rule for 70 years, waiting on the promise of God. As is there is grace and will be grace in 2050, if Jesus hasn't returned by then, for the people that might live with 100 million robots around them. This is where the world is heading, but it's clear here that grace is sufficient for every age. And that those who find themselves and their lives in Jesus can testify that it's by grace that we got through another decade and through another era and through another age. So what I wanna do this morning is I wanna just stretch our understanding of this idea a little bit and just go through human history. So here's the history lesson, you guys ready? First of all, right in the beginning, into our world stepped sin and death. 
This is the beginning of human history. God made us, we listened to the enemy, and sin and death entered into this world. Now you'll see as this thing progresses, it compounds. It becomes one big story, and we today in the year 2020 are living the full effect of that story. But I want to keep on telling us this morning that grace has appeared for this age. It has appeared for this today. For your children, for those of you who are fearful about their futures, grace has appeared for the present age that they will find themselves in for the rest of their lives when they say yes to Jesus. So right in the beginning, we see sin and death stepping into the world, and all of a sudden, almost immediately, this idea of humans who can own one another and slavery comes into the picture. And we might look through the history of slavery, and we know the song that we sing, Amazing Grace, and where it was birthed from, as Pete shared with us this morning, but I don't know if you know this, but they project the official number is 21 million slaves in the world today. They project that correct number is 43 million. So just wrap your head around that. 43 million people living in slavery today. So this thing entered into human history and has kind of just sat there. And throughout the ages, it's just this enemy against humankind. But grace has appeared for this present age. And as the grace of God has saved the Israelites and many others out of slavery, the grace of God can do the same. If we partner with him in his kingdom and say, God, we want to be a people who speak out against this and do what we can to see slavery abolished again. The story continues and the Roman rule stepped into the world. And this is highlights, guys. It's impossible to the whole human history here. So any history teachers, just bear with me. I'm trying to get the message across of grace, not perfection. But the Roman rule stepped in where terrible, violent, and the Greek era and everything that came with a terrible, violent world existed of people just with no regard for life, killing, slaughtering, and the slavery within it. And these empires trying to take over the world and under its rule, just don't care for the humans. And in this time, Jesus appears. In this era of the terrible Roman rule, Jesus appears with a kingdom that doesn't come to try and upset and overthrow the Roman rule, but just has a new way of life, the grace disposition. And his church was birthed, but just as his church was birthed, persecution came into the picture as well. And since then, it's the story of the church even today. If you ever have the opportunity to speak to someone that's been persecuted, it is mind-blowing what they go through, but there's a grace in that story. That Every time, every time I hear it, I've read the book, book of Martyrs, every time there's a grace appearing, even in persecution. You see, what we try and do, because clearly, when we study the church history, it's in moments of persecution that the church grows much faster. And in fact, Jesus said, you will be persecuted. So what we try and do is we rally placards and we run the streets like, stop persecuting the church. But then when you speak to the people in China who are persecuted, they said, no, no, please don't pray for the persecution to go away because persecution is an opportunity for the kingdom to come. And every time we are persecuted, we grow. Pray for strength to face the persecution because they might just have a revelation of grace. And then this is what science or scientists Consider probably the worst time to live in is the year 536 AD. Got a cloud and some sun there. The year 536 AD, something happened in the world, a natural disaster. They consider it might have been volcanic ash and just an interesting climate change. You see, it's all through history, nothing new. 
climate change and weather patterns, and for 18 months, most of the known world back then was in utter darkness for days because of this fog that came over the world. Some things that they said about this moment is that people would walk around, and this is written by Roman politicians, and they've read the, the, the manuscripts. People would walk around during noon not even seeing a shadow. That the sun had a bluish color to it, and that you could not even see the moon. And that the seasons were jumbled together. It's a little bit like this week out here in the Helderberg. Like, what season are we in? Imagine this week for 18 months. I'm like, please, Lord Jesus. But utter darkness covering the, the known world back then. So they say this must have been the most difficult time to live because of that. And the weather changes. There was famine. There was sickness and disease that existed. And then we see the dark ages and the middle ages coming in where this idea of Jesus and his love for the world and the kingdom was then by a handful of men put together into institutionalized, man-made, man-honoring, man-empowered place, and religion kind of just, just comes in again. And since then, we're batting this idea of religion where you, by your efforts, can, can reach God, and that some people are greater than others and higher than others in levels and ranks, just as the Pharisees we've seen in the New Testament. So you see that we could write human history, but evil is evil, and it's always existed. And then I'm getting a little bit more into modern history where things like world wars have taken place. And for many years there's been wars, but we know the effects of the world wars on the world. And for a couple of moments in the past weeks, we've been holding our breath. But the grace of God has appeared for the present age. And there are stories of hope through even the most difficult times of humanity because of Jesus. Dictators have come to the rise Certain people groups just isolated, separated from the rest of the world. Supremacy of humanity coming into play. And then we see, and again, this is not a new idea, but throughout the ages, there's the battle of race and the better and the worst. You see, this is not a great picture, right? When you look at it like this, Guys, it's not that good. And then identity wars started entering into the world, into our modern world, our modern thinking. Like, you know what? No, you can completely become what you want to be. doesn't matter. There's no rule. There's no line. There's no ultimate truth. You are your ultimate truth. You become the God you want to create by worshiping yourself and becoming the identity you desire to so be. Where Jesus clearly said, I have come and given you a Christ identity. But even in that, there's grace for us. And then invasion of privacy, which is so real in our world today. Just, It's everywhere. People are scared, and the internet and the rise of social media and digital addiction, and I'm looking at that, I'm like, oh God, this present age is really bad, and it's not painting a great story, and there's economies crashing, and money failing, and then you get into the Business Life magazine, and they say, here are the three things that's going to be difficult in the next decade. First of all, AI is going to be great, because artificial intelligence, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's creating robots to act like humans. It's stepping into the picture, guys, and they're saying, it's great, but there's a big but. If this gets out of hand, the humans might be in danger because the people aren't controlling how artificial intelligence will be applied. And they're writing a whole lot of artificial intelligence laws at the moment to try and curb this. And then they're predicting that climate change and everything that comes with it will just be worse than ever and the world is going to go into decay, and then they say one big threat for us into the decade to come is the idea 
of terrorism. And I look at that and I'm like, wow, Lord, this is the sum total of where we are today in this present age. For years, humankind have, have been anything but kind. And today we live in this present age. Lord, how will we even raise our kids in today? And then all I can do is I can hold on to a promise in Titus 2 that the grace of God has appeared for this present age. A new disposition. And then I want to make it real personal this morning. There might be things in your life. So I say, insert own image here. There might be challenges in our own nation that is fearful to you. It might be that you are really battling to overcome an area of your life or that you are fearful for the future or that you are considering to run away and find a better living somewhere else or that you are scared for your kids. And I stand back and I look at this picture and I'm like, God, all I can ask for is grace. It is clear that the world offers nothing else. And I want Titus 2 to be wrapped around my heart for the future. That grace has appeared for the present age. And all I could imagine is God saying, Pierre, you will know what it has appeared. Why don't you flip the page on how you see grace? Why don't you flip the page on how you see me as the Almighty? Why don't you flip the page on how you see me as a good father that knows exactly, exactly what you need in this present age? And God steps into our story and says, I'm about to, guys, to flip the page on the story because amazing grace is what will get you to the other side. And all of a sudden, all these things that we have focused on falls away and become nothing. Completely. <laughs> Takes me back to scripture where we are encouraged. I love this. I'm excited for the here, guys. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are seen, as we look not to the things that are seen, the back end, but we look to the things that are unseen, the amazing grace of God. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And this morning, guys, as every nation sounds the West, we've got to choose where our focus is at. Are we seeing amazing grace written over our future? Are we saying, seeing amazing grace written over this age? Are we seeing amazing grace written over our battle and our desire to find Jesus? Are we seeing amazing grace written over our brokenness and relationships? Are we seeing amazing grace written over our story and are we climbing into that story today? Or are we like the ones who just like to put up the pictures and focus on that? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to live godly, upright, righteous life, self-controlled lives in this present age. And in, in all of this, it is wrapped in some wrapping paper, and that wrapping paper is called hope. Because this verse ends in the last part saying, the verse says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace appeared for salvation. It appeared for sanctification. It appeared for this present age, and grace has appeared for hope. And we wrap our story in this idea that we are a hopeful people. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 9. Paul has thrown his toys out of the cot with God. He's pleaded. He says, please, Lord. 
Did my circumstance change? Because this thorn in my flesh, whatever it is, and I believe that we don't know what it is, so that it's the universal idea of something that is against us. It's just not going away. Please, Lord, please, I need grace in this moment. And then God turns back to him and says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It appeared it is enough. It's more than enough. It is sufficient for whatever you are finding. It's sufficient in this age. It's sufficient in this prison. It is there and it's sufficient. And then God says something profound. It says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So if we want to be a church that experiences perfect power, we better become a church that's okay with weakness. Because perfect power is seen in weakness. Maybe we've lost out on the perfectness of God's power because we try to be strong and be the writers of our story. But this morning, we can put on that lens. It says, God, we're going to carry this year through a grace lens. Even if we are so weak in moments, because we want to see your perfect power, your amazing grace. Not just half of your power, but the fullness of it. So come and be God in our midst. Come and let the grace disposition lead us on and not ourselves anymore. Lord Jesus, I pray that something would shift in our hearts this morning of this understanding that it is by grace alone that non-man can boast. It is by grace alone that we live and exist and have our beings. It is by grace alone that we are saved and set onto the future. And it's by grace alone, Lord, that we will get to everything that you have for us. Lord, we celebrate that we are human this morning, that we are weak, so that we can taste and see and experience perfect power. We pray this, this year, Lord, that perfect power would be in our midst, that we would be a people who can testify of the perfect power of God because we are okay for you to be God and for us to be dependent upon you. And Lord, this morning we choose to put on the lens of grace. And I pray that this morning, Lord, as we go to the table of what Christ has done, that you would flip the page of our hearts again. That you would flip some of us right back to understanding that we are saved by your work. That we would not try and flip the page and write our own story of success this year, but that we would say, Jesus, just come and train me through this year. Teach me, lead me on. And that we would flip the page on the rhetoric of the world out there saying, Sheesh, it's going to be hard. And we say, no, there's an amazing grace backing us. We can do this. Thank you, Jesus.